moms with little ones, if, if uh, you need a place, private place, there's one right across the hall. It's for nursing moms and moms whose little ones need to be settled down and just free to, free to use that. There's also a restroom for families. You have to have young children to use it, and that's available right outside this door. Well, we had a, a prayer meeting here uh, Friday night? Thursday. Thursday. Sorry. <laughs> we uh, linked up with the Assembly of God Church, uh, just going out of Penyan to, to get together and pray for our county, pray for our local government and schools and prison. and uh, pray, We prayed for a lot of things, but we're going to keep doing that for the summer. We're going to meet once a month with them, and we'd love for you to get in on that. It was a sweet time. Uh, the next time we're going to do it is June 27th, if you want to open your phones and put that in. And we're, our goal is to try to get up on the bluff at Mel and Nancy's farm. they got one of the most beautiful places up there where you can overlook the lake and a big fire pit where we can have uh, hot dogs and marshmallows and that kind of stuff after. And so if the rain will stop, we'll, we'll get up there sometime this summer and just enjoy a time of uh, being out in that meadow, praying, praying uh, together with the Assembly of God Church. And uh, there's something, something special. And I, I wish we could link up with even more churches in the area. It's just, yeah, that's where it is right now. That's where we're starting with. And, and we'll see what God does with that. Uh, I'm away next Sunday as well. I know it seems like I've been away a lot. Um, right at the same week that we're signing for this building to get it, uh, a group up in Canada ran into a crisis. They're, they're friends of mine, people I've known and discipled for years and years and years. And it's in my hometown. It's where we came from, where we grew up. <clears throat> and they were saying, uh, we have to leave the situation that they're in. It was just, had been building. They had been working at it for about nine months and they needed to leave and they needed a, a church, but there was no place, really no place for them to go. And so uh, they said, we know you've been up here praying and and." And I've been, for years, sowing in that area, believing that a church was going to happen there. And, uh, but the timing was odd because it was just when we were doing this that they were saying, we need you to come up. And, and so we've got about 35, 40 people that gather every week up there. And they're hungry. They're, um, they're needy. And it's just, it's a pressure time because uh, my heart's here. I have no plans to move back to my hometown. You couldn't pay me to do that. But... And this is where my heart is, but it, the fact is, it's, uh, this has been a long time in the, in the works. It's been years that I've been going up there. I just walk and pray around the streets of my old neighborhood and just ask the Lord for what to do. And people have been coming from that area, coming down to all of our meetings. They're just so hungry. We've had discipleship people come down. And so we have started a church. It's called Wellspring Quinty. And uh, I haven't talked very much about it here because... Every Sunday, we just, we've got so much other stuff on. It's just kind of hard to put a whole other thing before you. It's been hard for me to do that. But um, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody because we have been taking teams up into that region for a long time and doing meetings and letting the Holy Spirit out. And so, so here I'm up last week going door-to-door -door to churches asking to, if we could use their building. Well, I haven't done that for 10 years. I did that when we first came to Penyan. Went to the Baptist church, went in there, cold turkey. Well, I went to a Baptist church again this past week, cold turkey, said, look, we speak in tongues, we prophesy, we worship really loud, but we'd like to use your building. 
And uh, the Baptist pastor, he said the same kind of thing. He said, well, that, we could use some of that. And so um, if you would pray for us, we need a building. We've got kids and there's more kids coming. And so the space that um, a Youth for Christ Center that they just built, uh, rehabbed, uh, uh, I should say re took a building and, and redid it. And they gave it to us. They just gave it to us to use. And it's a wonderful start. But we've outgrown that. And we've got more kids coming. So we don't have space for that. And, and kids, kids, what we provide for kids is really important. So, so anyway, if you'd pray for me. And Nelson and I are going to go up uh, next Sunday and minister up there. Um, we're going to go to Quebec to Sharon Reveille's church. She's been inviting us. Believe it or not, I say no to a lot of stuff. I had a trip. They invited me to Kenya this summer. I left going to Kenya, and I said no to that. So just so you know, I'm saying no to lots of things. And um, after this weekend, my goal is to be here for the rest of the summer. And I, I, my heart is that we need to do training on deliverance and healing. And uh, there's people who need the baptism of spirit here. And so we're going to do some Holy Spirit meetings. And so for most of the summer, my goal is to be here. And I'm saying no to everything else that we can say no to. So just to let you know, that's happening. So if you hear about Belva or you think about Belva, if you would pray, we need a, we need a miracle. We need a building. And um, uh, it's not easy to, to just walk in and, and get a building. So as far as this building... Um, Lorita, our treasurer, has been talking to us about it. We're, we're at a, a critical juncture um, in terms of construction. We've had a lot of bills come in and surprise bills. We've, the things we weren't really banking on. All the smoke detectors need to be replaced. They're 10 years old. It has to be a lot of rewiring for that system. That was seven or eight thousand dollars that we weren't expending, expecting to spend. And the guy's working with us and we're not, we don't beg, we don't ask for discounts, we don't ask for 10%, we don't, we never do that. We, we're, we're able to trust the Lord with this. And even today when I share this, it isn't to put pressure on you, it's to let you know so you can be informed. But we have to have about $20,000 come in by about the middle of this month. And um, only the Lord can do that. So I need you to pray. I need you to, to believe with us that that can happen. That we want these walls to preach. We want the, the wall, this building to be a testament that we didn't beg, borrow, or steal. We're trying to do this in an honorable way. And so far, every bill has been paid. And, and everything we've needed. We needed a vacuum cleaner. Someone gave us a brand new vacuum cleaner. Someone else came and said, I like to reseal the whole driveway and put new lines down. And they're doing it as a gift. Uh, uh, the, a group of men got together and said, we will pay for all the paint for the new ceiling in the sanctuary. That was a huge thing. That was an amazing shot in the arm to me. Every time we turn around, there's something that's been given. There's something that, and it's freely flowing. We don't have um, kitchen supplies, and, and Ruth Selfus is going to head up our kitchen for this next phase, and she's signed on for that. And, and uh, a church contacted her and said, we've got all kinds of stuff that's boxed up, and so she was going to go and look at it, I guess yesterday maybe you went, is there some stuff in there that we can use? And yeah, that's wonderful. So it's happening all the time. And we don't, uh, we can't itemize it all, but there's a, uh, a little news magazine that we put out called Current. It comes out once a week. If you go to www.wellspringfellowship.com, there's a place where you can subscribe. That'll come to you through email, and every week you can get a fresh email that has uh, information and what's happening and where we're going and what we're doing. 
And uh, it's a nice little way of communicating. So if you want to sign up for, for our magazine called Current, we'd like you to get that each week. And that will help you keep informed. Amen? Can't thank you enough. I know so many of you have been here working and helping, and it means a lot. We don't want this building to be our vision. It's not our vision. We don't want it to be the center of our life. But it's a season that we're in. And, and we rented for 10 years down. So we love the fact that we have our own building, that we can decorate it, we can do it. This is a good deal. I never want it to be a burden. And if it becomes a burden, then we're doing something wrong. And so we don't want to be a burden to anybody. Amen? Turn your Bibles. To John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We've been teaching when I'm here, every other week or whatever it's been, I've been teaching on personal revival. And while we're waiting for national revival now, and we're waiting for a statewide revival, New York State needs revival. Amen? Our county needs revival. Our village needs revival. But while we're waiting for that, there's a thing called personal revival, which you can have more frequently than you realize, and there's ways to access that. And I've just finished, I just got it back from the, from the editor this week, a, a new book called Personal Revival, and so we'll make sure that's available to you here before long. So um, we're going to look at a revival word. Uh, you know, when you talk to Christians, they use the word revival almost in every other sentence, it seems like. Then when you read the Bible, you don't see the word there very much. So I was asking the Lord about that one time. So how come we're not seeing the word revival very much in the Bible? And he took me and showed me different places where it is in the Bible. We just don't recognize it. So let's go to John chapter 1. And John says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was, uh, and, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. So he's the word, and in him is life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So keep those two words together, word and life. Now let's go to 1 John. This is the letter of John. Go to your back, up, back of your Bible, and then you start backing up from there. First John. And he's, there's so much similar language in this next piece that we're going to read. But let me say this. Let me preface it. John got to go to heaven. He got to go to heaven and come back. And, and Jesus said, whatever you see up here, whatever you hear, we want you to write down, and we want you to tell the folks back home what it's like. And so that was John's great commission that he was able to see heaven, see, see things that no one was able to see before. So when he's, saying, when he's saying these things, it's because he has a heavenly perspective. I believe he wrote these after he came back. And, and so listen to what he's saying here. It's, it's profound. It almost sounds the same as what we just read. Listen to this. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we've seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father 
and with his son, Jesus Christ. And all these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So he's talking about the word of life here again. And, and the, the word life is, is a Greek word called zoe. Z, if you're from Canada, Z. Z-O-E or Z-O-E. Can you see it on the screen? Ruth, can you put it up there? We have a Greek definition. It's very simple. It's life. But it's often coupled with the word eternal. So it's eternal life. And when people read it, they read about going to heaven. And it's more than that. It's more profound than that. The, the life that John saw, he said, we camped with life. We saw it. We handled it. We were with life. We saw, we saw Zoe, eternal life. We saw it every day in the form of a person. And so eternal life is not going to heaven. It's the life of heaven here now. And he, saw, he said, we saw embodied in a man. And it was manifested to us. We saw eternal life. And that word life is a revival word. And I'll show you how, how I've come to, to see this. So every morning they'd wake up and they'd look across the fire pit. And there wrapped up in this tunic was eternal life. Then he'd get up and he'd wash. He'd go down to the river and bathe. And they saw eternal life. Sitting around having breakfast, they saw eternal life walking down dusty roads. They saw eternal life entering every village. Jesus is life. He's the life from God. And, and that kind of life that came from God, it was with God, is God, was embodied in a man. And so Jesus is the first man that we can actually see to see what See what life really looks like. Life from heaven in a man. Life that you don't get at Walmart. Life that doesn't come in a bottle. Life that doesn't come in a pill. Life that we've never seen before. They've never seen that kind of life on their old rabbi. They've never seen it in their old synagogue. They saw life that they'd never seen before. He said that life was alive. That life was light. That life was liberty. We saw it. We handled it. We looked upon it. We saw life. And now watch what Jesus does. Different times, and John captured it. John saw it. He said, Jesus invited us to have that same kind of life. Eternal life. Not dying and going to heaven, but the life of heaven here and now. And so that's what he's pointing out. And that life, that life he's talking about, is newness of life. It's revival. It's powerful. There's a story, and, and it's, in, it's in Mark chapter 10, if you'd like to follow. But rather than read it, it's a lengthy story, uh, and rather than read it, I'll tell it to you. But if, if you give me some room, I'll just tell it to you the way I see it. I'll tell you my version of it, rather than just read a Bible story. Early one morning, when the mist is coming off the roof of the houses and the rooster's crowing, people are coughing and getting out of their, out of their huts, out of their houses, and clanging, getting, getting their pots ready to get water to go down to the well, and people are getting their fires going for breakfast, and it's early, early in the morning. And at the entrance of the village, in walk 13 young men. And they walked into the village and they stood in the square. Every village had a square. 
And they stood there and they talked for a minute in a circle. And then they broke up. And one by one, they would start going up to a door of a house and they would knock, bend down. The doors are low. They'd bend down and they'd say, you got any sick people in here? Got anyone who's demon-possessed? Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Bring them. You got, bring grandma. She's not feeling well. There's a guy, he's, he, he broke his leg in a construction accident and they say, he's hobbled out. Bring him. Someone else lost a hand. Bring him. Bring that guy. Someone else lost an eye. Bring him out. We want them out. There's a guy chained to a tree out back. Let's get him. Let's bring him to the village because he's, he's out of his mind. He's crazy. He's tormenting the whole village. Young guy, tormenting the whole village. Bring him. Bring, the, bring him. Chain and all. Bring him. And, and these 12 men, they all brought who whoever they could find to the center of the village. And then Jesus starts laying hands on them and touching them. And the 12, the other 12 young men, they also start laying hands on them. They break them up and they get two by two and they start, just like we do here Sunday mornings, and they start laying hands on him. All of a sudden, the guy in the village that everyone knows who had lost his eye, all of a sudden, he's going crazy because he got his eye back. And the man who was chained to the tree that was tormenting the village, everyone knew him. He was howling at the moon. Everyone knew a kind of crazy guy. All of a sudden, he's completely normal in his right mind, right mind standing there totally restored. And guys who couldn't walk are now running and leaping. And nothing like this had ever happened in their village before. It's not something they're reading about. It's something they see. It's life. It's eternal life. It's, etern it's the life of heaven, the joy of heaven, the freedom of heaven coming to their little village. Nothing like it. The disciples, they, they lay hands on someone and they're, all of a sudden they're instantly healed and they've got the most incredible grin on their face. Their faces are glowing. They're praying. They're laying hands on people. They're touching people. They're speaking to people. And Jesus starts telling them what God's really like. They thought he was an angry old man with a big white beard and a big cane and he doesn't like us. And they, Jesus called him Father and presents him as the most loving, caring person and they didn't know, they didn't even recognize him. They'd never heard of this kind of Father God, like Jesus would call him, in the synagogue. Life came to that village. <laughs> Life that doesn't come from around here. Life you can't buy. It's the life of heaven come here. And Jesus carried it everywhere he went. And as they're leaving, starting to leave, and they're starting to head out the village, this young guy bolted through the crowd. I picture him skidding on his knees in the gravel in front of Jesus, creating some dust. And he skids on his knees, and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, he wasn't asking, how do I get to heaven? He's Jewish. The way to get to heaven in those days, in their mind, was to be Jewish. Be circumcised on the eighth day, you go to heaven. He wasn't asking, how do I get to heaven? I think what happened is he saw, he's described in the Bible in different ways as a, as a rich, young ruler. If you're going to be rich, it's better to be when you're young. A lot more fun. The Bible doesn't say it, but I bet he was handsome too. 
He didn't make the bricks. He oversaw the guys who made the bricks. He didn't dig the wells. He oversaw the guys who were digging the wells. He's in position. He's upward and mobile. He's, go he's the only guy in the crowd with a pager on his belt. Because this is an old story. And so, <laughs> so, he's young. He's got money. He has authority. He's a ruler. He's in a position of authority. And he woke up that morning, maybe he woke up that morning saying, I am rich, I am young, and I'm going places. I'm in position. I'm successful. Until he saw eternal life. When he saw eternal life on these 13 young men, and they had authority to tell demons to leave, and they had authority over sickness, and, and, and talk about... Talk about ruling. They're a young man. He, he's a young man, but they have authority over things that no one else has power over. Talk about riches. They could just, they had, they were so rich, spiritually speaking, that they were just full of joy and they, and they were free. They had freedom. His riches came with a, a price, a burden. They just looked free. They looked, they looked happy. He wasn't all that happy. Someone said, I wouldn't trade my joy for all the happiness in the world. I think what happened is he woke up that morning and he heard a commotion. He heard people laughing and rejoicing and running and running through the village saying, my eyes, my eyes, I got my eyes back. And he came out and he saw something he'd never seen before. What he saw was eternal life on people, coming through people. He skids on his knees in front of Jesus and says, what must I do to have eternal life? Now Jesus' answer is the right answer. He says, you do God's word. You keep God's word. That's, that's a way, that's a ticket into this deeper spiritual life. There is no life separate from the word. Isn't that what we read in 1 John? The word, he is the word of life. When we harp on you to get into your Bibles and to make it, we're not, we're not being religious. We're trying to get you to come alive. It's his word that brings life. It's aligning our lives with his word. It's Jesus as the word of God letting them know how to connect with God. That's, that's where the life is. In fact, there's no revival. I've studied, I'm a student of a revival. I can't find anywhere in church history where revival happened separate from the Word of God. Martin Luther's at a, at a desk studying Romans, and all of a sudden, one verse from Romans came up, hit him in the solar plexus, blew his mind, and from out of that came the Protestant movement, which you've all benefited from. The Word came alive and made him come alive. Jesus is the Word of life. He's the Word of Zoe. So the young man skids on his knees and says, where can I get Zoe? Jesus said, you keep the word. He said, you know, since I was a little kid, I've been trying to keep God's word. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. He says, that's what it says in Mark's account. I think it's verse 17. Jesus loved him. Is it on the screen? And then Jesus did something that he'll do for you. The guy saying, how do I get Zoe? Jesus said, you keep the word. That's the most general basic answer. It's the right answer. It's not rule keeping. It's, the, it's in the word. 
The guy said, I've been trying to do that. And that's us. That's, that's, that's like so many people. I've been trying to do that since I was a kid. Jesus looked at him and did this. He looked at him and he said, yeah, it's this one thing. And Jesus reached right in prophetically, reached right in and put his finger on the block to Zoe, the one thing. He said, oh, it's this one thing. Give away all you have to the poor and come follow me. Now, Jesus wasn't saying that to the crowd. Jesus wasn't saying that to everybody. That wasn't his message. That was, that was a prophetic insight into this young man's issue. The block to Zoe was his identity, his money, his, the burden of his money, how he saw himself with money, how he maybe elevated himself above people with his money. It was the key to more life. Jesus wasn't being punishing or punitive in any way. He was trying to liberate the guy. He looked in, he said, it's, it's this, 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 this here, right here. Give that away. Come follow me. Be my disciple. We'll go to more villages. We'll do the same thing everywhere we go. And you can get in on it. It's an invitation. And the guy went white. And, and he started to back up a couple steps, staggering back into the crowd. And all of a sudden, the crowd filled in where he was. And he backed up, and he went back to his house. And went back to his, his desk. And he didn't, he didn't do what Jesus said. But I, I bet... He never forgot what Zoe looked like. I don't think he could. He'd, he'd reach into his desk drawer, perhaps years later, have to beg of money and said, I got this, but I could have had that. I got this, but I could have had that. I could have been really rich, spiritually speaking. I could be free. I could have liberty. I could have light. I can make a difference in people's lives. All I got is this. I bet he regretted it for the rest of his life. And what I, what I learned as a young disciple myself is if I ask Jesus, Jesus, I feel stuck. I don't have, I don't, I'm not as alive as I'd like to be. I don't, have, I don't have spiritual power. I don't have the spiritual life that I want. That's what Zoe is. It's the spiritual life. It's the higher spiritual life that doesn't come from around here. And the way to get the higher spiritual life is you have to get rid of some of the lower spirit, the lower natural life. There has to be an exchange. And I would say, Jesus, I, I can't seem to get into that higher spiritual life. Help me. And he would put his finger on something. It might be a relationship. It might be an attitude. It might be a habit. It might be a pride condition. It might be, it doesn't, it's not always about money. It could, be, it could be the way you treat your wife. It could be the way you treat your husband. It could be that friend you have that's not adding life to you. It's taking life away from you. It's not adding anything spiritual to your life. In fact, that relationship needs to go because it's taken life away from you. It might mean, he might say, change your job because that life, 
that, that life, that job, the guys you're with, the people you're with, or, or what's happening, is taking life away from you. But he'll never ask you to give up something in this lower natural life that he won't replace it with something higher every time. I remember when I was a young Christian, I was wanting more spiritual life. And I was saying, Jesus, help me to get to another level of the spiritual life, because there's levels to it. And he said, just as clear as anything, uh, he said, give this up. Well, what this was, every morning, I'd get up early, and I'd go to a Tim Hortons coffee shop. I grew up in Canada, and there's one in every corner. And I'd, I'd, there'd be a stack of newspapers there in every coffee shop. And I'd read two or three newspapers while I had my coffee. And it was my routine. It's what I did. And I had worked for newspapers, so I'd cultivated a habit of reading newspapers because I worked for them. And so I was interested in everything that was going on, from the advertisements to every, I mean, I read everything. And Jesus said, give this up and replace it with more time in my word. <laughs> I did it. It was not easy. I did it, and I came into more life. Then I made a mistake. Someone else was asking me how to get into the spiritual life that I was coming into, and I said, do you go to Tim Hortons? And they said, yeah. I said, stop going to Tim Hortons. <laughs> stop reading those newspapers. Jesus got me by the ear and pulled me aside and said, I said that to you. Don't go preaching that. See, what he did is he put his finger on the one thing. Just at that time, he, he's put his finger on the one thing many times since. But he'll always put his finger on the one thing if you ask him. But I'll tell you this, don't ask him if you're not willing to really obey because it'll wreck your life. You'll come under condemnation. You, you'll be miserable. He'll say, give this up. And, and if you don't, you'll be miserable. Make sure, make sure if you ask him, because he'll, 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 he'll talk to you. He'll, he'll, he wants you to go to another level in Zoe. <clears throat> He's come. He said, I've come that you may have life, John 10, 10. I've come that you may have life, and that more abundantly. So there's levels of life. There's levels of Zoe. There's abundant Zoe. How many here could say, I'm, I've, I've experienced abundant Zoe? Some people say, I've tasted Zoe, but it's pretty meager. Well, there's levels to this. Just like he said, the, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's levels. That's levels of, it starts off with stealing. He steals from us. Then he kills. Then he destroys. There's degrees of what the devil does. Well, in the same way, there's degrees of what Jesus does. Tell the person next to you, there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more than what you've experienced. There's more life. Tell Brian. Go ahead. Tell him. There's more. There's more. There's more. Egg, there's more. Because he said, I've come that you may have life. Hallelujah. And that more abundantly. John 10.10. 10. That more abundantly. He wants, I, I've been to dead churches before, so have you. And then there's churches with a degree of spiritual life. And then there's churches that has an abundant life. 
I'm, I want us as a people, I want us as a church. That's one reason we, we spend 20 minutes standing in prayer. Uh, that's why we spend 20 minutes standing in worship, is they're the keys. That's why we spend 45 minutes or whatever in the Word every time we gather. They're the keys to life. They will let you in. We don't do them because we're religious. We do them because we know Jesus loves it, and he comes down through that pike with life. We want that to happen for you, week by week. The rich young ruler passed, but I bet he was miserable. See, he was rich. He was the richest guy in the village until these 13 young guys walked in, and he saw, he saw riches that he didn't know existed. All of a sudden, he realized he wasn't rich at all. They, they were so rich they could give away life. So rich they could give away healing. So rich they could give away joy, peace. They could turn people's hearts to the Father. That's rich. That's real, real riches. There's more Zoe. So John says it's Zoe. And he writes this letter, five chapters, 1 John, five chapters. He says, here's, here's the reason I'm writing this letter. <clears throat> I'm writing this letter so that you could have more Zoe. And that Zoe leads to fellowship with the Father and the Son. And I, I've tasted it. We've tasted this kind of open relationship with those incredible, loving, gracious people. And... It's led us into it, and now we want you to have it so that your joy may be full, because joy is connected with Zoe. I meet people, they have no, they have no joy, no joy. Well, it's because they have no Zoe. And they, that fellowship, that free-flowing fellowship is just not there. So John writes this epistles, and he says, here's what we tapped into, and we want it for you. So as I read 1 John... I find out what stops Zoe and what accelerates Zoe. For example, he starts off, he says, if you kid yourself and say that you're not sitting when you are, you're not going to experience Zoe. So here's what you do. You confess it. And you ask him to cleanse you with his blood. And when he does that, joy comes. And when he does that, a relationship is restored. You're, you're coming alive through the blood of Jesus. That's where he starts, and then he keeps going. He says, for example, if you say you love God, but you're, you're, you hate the people of God, you hate people that he loves, he says there's just no way that you can actually come into more of that life because that doesn't make sense to him. He says, how can you love God whom you have not seen and say you hate people that he has, that you do see? It's not possible. In other words, your relationship to people determines your relationship with God. If you don't like people and you're at odds and you've got all these broken relationships and you're trashing people, there's just no way you can come into an experience with God. It's not possible. It's not possible. It's completely linked. That's why he wants us to forgive. That's why he wants us to, to, to treat people graciously even though we disagree on stuff. It's an avenue to Zoe. It's an avenue to Zoe. We want you we want you to have Zoe. We want you to have life. We want you to have more life that doesn't come from around here. We want you to have it in abundance.
It's linked to forgiveness. It's linked to how we think of people. It's linked to how we think of God. And he wants us to experience it. Amen? Now, I didn't tell you what color clothes to wear, and I didn't tell you whether to wear a hat or whether to cut your hair, and I didn't tell you whether it's buttons or beads or... I didn't tell you anything like that because it's not about rule-keeping. It's simple. It's going deep in God's word. It's knowing him. It's knowing him. In fact, one time Jesus was speaking. This is in... um, John 17, 3, if you'd like to look it up. Jesus is speaking. He said, and this is eternal life. And now Jesus is about to tell us what eternal life is. So Jesus said, and this is eternal life. And everyone leans forward because they want to hear what Jesus, how he defines eternal life. And he says, eternal life is knowing the Father and his son, Jesus Christ, whom he sent. He's speaking about himself. And knowing, the word knowing here isn't knowing like we could say, well, we know who Donald Trump is or we know who Barack Obama is or you know who a, f- a football player is or something. We can say we know them. But to know them by name is not really what he's talking about. He's talking about an experience, to know by experience. To know God by experience and to know Jesus by experience. And it's not a one-time knowing, it's a life of knowing. He said, this is eternal life. Eternal life is knowing the Father. There's no end to that. It'll never end. In fact, John, uh, Paul wrote in, in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, he said, he said, the whole thing is that someday we will know God as completely as he knows us. That begins here, and it lasts forever. It take, carries over into heaven, because it'll take forever to know God. It'll take forever to know him, to experience him, to experience the different aspects to his name and his person. But it begins here. It begins here. And it carries over into eternity. Amen? I want you to have life. I want you to have a revival, personal revival. I want you to come alive spiritually. It's possible. God has made it possible if you want it. Let's stand together. Why don't you close your eyes? Why don't you pray with me and say, Father, I knew there had to be more than more life than there is to this life. I knew there had to be a kind of life beyond this life. And now I see it. I see eternal life now. I see the life of heaven is possible now. I want it. Go ahead, just tell him, say, I want it. I want it. I want the life of heaven. I I could never be satisfied. It was just life down here. 
Father, I want to know you. I want to know you in ways I've never known. I know there's more to know. I want to experience you. Take me by the heart and lead me. Lead me into Zoe. Lead me into newness of life. Lead me into deeper life. And Father, if there's something that's blocking me, an attitude, a, a habit, a person, or something I'm hanging on to down here, God, show me. Put your finger on it. Whatever it takes, if it's my mouth, if it's my money, if it's my motives, God, have at it. Put your finger on anything that's keeping me back. Jesus, you spoke to that young man. Speak to me. I want to know. I want to know how to go deeper. I want to know how to go further. God, help me. If I'm, if I'm, if you want to put your finger on anything, it'll go. I mean it. It'll go. I'll change it out for your word. I'll change it out for prayer. I'll change it out for worship. I'll change it out for something that produces life. God, help me. Don't leave me in the shallow end of the pool. I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper. It's only so far we can go in a meeting like this. I can point you to something, but you're going to have to take it to him. Why don't you go home, have a nice quiet lunch, have a siesta, curl up in bed, and say, Jesus, have at it. Work me over. Whatever has to happen in my heart, I'm asking that you do it. Take time with it. Find some country laneway. Find some place on the bluff. Find some place in the back 40, some place where you can get alone, or that sunny spot in the porch. Find some place to open up your Bible and say, Jesus, I want life. He will hear you every time. He will hear you every time. It's what he wants. He's just been waiting for you to have the same want. He'll never say no. He'll never pass you over. He will meet you. There's more. He said, I've come. I've come that you may have life, and that more abundantly. Amen? Amen. God bless you as you go. And if you want to come back tonight, I'm doing the same message again if you need a double dose. God bless you.